Welcome to Bowman's Friends, a podcast created to connect and inform UK students of issues, events, and cool stuff on campus and in the Lexington area. Bowman's Friends is a podcast hosted by UK students for the UK community. Our goal is to amplify student voices through advocating for equity, inclusion, and representation of all. UK Innovate meets at the intersections of innovation, entrepreneurship, and economic enterprise, housed under UK research. Through technology commercialization, industry partnerships, social innovation, and economic development initiatives, they work with the Lexington community to fund ideas that create an impact. Today, I am joined by Dr. Wright, the Associate Director of Social Innovation here at UK. Thank you so much for being here today. To start off, (laughs) could you tell me a little bit about the path that you've taken to get into this role and how your previous positions or the skills that you learned in your previous position sort of transferred into this role? Yeah, so um, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I think all of me, of who I am, um, and every professional uh, position I've held has prepared me for this role, really and truly, because it brings so many different skill sets that I have um, to the table. But So I was born here in Lexington, Kentucky, but was raised in Indonesia. My dad is Chinese-Indonesian. And I think growing up in a developing nation and really understanding community from a very different lens has really changed how I think about ecosystems, how I think about community systems with a capital S, right? When I talk about systems, it's all the pieces that come together, politics, society, culture, economics, um, and the ways in which they either build bridges or are disconnected from each other, right? Um, In returning to the U.S., for late in my high school career, um, I came as an international student. And what I didn't realize in doing that um, in high school and then later transitioning uh, for my undergraduate degree is I didn't acknowledge, I didn't recognize, I didn't internalize what it meant to be labeled as international until much later, right? It was only recently that I remember having conversations with friends because another um, exchange student from Indonesia had come and we would talk in Bahasa in the hallways. And it wasn't until recently that I remember conversations about like, hey, quit doing that. That's just weird, right? And really thinking about the ways in which um, people's bias were being projected at me, right? I didn't process it then. And it's taken me several years several years to really get there and to understand why and what was being said in those moments, not just how it was being said. Um, Professionally, after I got my master's degree, I moved to Cape Town, South Africa and taught there for six months, um, taught grades six through 12. And again, it's about perspective, right? Everything Every experience that you have creates a skill set that you then bring to the next place. It changes the lens in which you understand and see the world. So living and teaching in Cape Town, again, adjusted how I understood community, right? I was very much taken care of by the school, by the township, by the area, that by the community that I was in, all of it, um, and very much um, loved, right, and loved in a way that um, that I hope I transfer to other people, right? Because that feeling of being safe in somebody else's energy is really a luxury, right? Where you can really and truly be your authentic self, um, whether that's quiet or loud or maybe it changes on the day. But that, that feeling of safety is really a luxury um, when you're in somebody else's energy. Um, and I think I really truly internalized it while I was working there. 
Um, but coming back, I started in a public high school, um, taught in a public high school for many years, um, and then transitioned into higher education, where I was a senior diversity officer and on a president's cabinet for an institution, then transitioned into city government and worked in policy and compliance. I was really looking to expand my skill set in, in policy specifically. And so that time at city government allowed me to do that. And then I transitioned to the Gatton College of Business and Economics here at the University of Kentucky, which is where I met you. Yes, <laughs> we as, do know each other. This as is not a our first lovely time. freshman. <laughs> yep. Oh God. <laughs> and here we are, closing that? out your senior year. Um, but I came to Gatton as the director for the Honors Pathway Programs. Um, and then later expanded my portfolio to also serve as a senior director for diversity, equity, and inclusion at Gatton. And so now here I am um, with social innovation for the university. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think this is a good time to note. I, I feel terrible for everyone who's, who d- has not had the opportunity to get close to their academic advisor in the way that, that we were able to um, with the pathways. But well, thanks. Of course. That community piece, right? Yes, exactly. Um, so your role with social innovation, yeah. what do you do? What was that transition like? Yeah, you know, I have been describing the transition as very fast, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was over before I even processed what was happening. What I had forgotten was um, I set the stage for this position almost two years ago. Um, as I started building social entrepreneurship in the Gatton College, was working very closely with another faculty member who was getting ready to leave to move um, to the other side of the country. And he said, go see Ian McClure. He'll help you. And so I reached out to Ian, who's now the Associate Vice President for Research, Innovation, and Economic Impact. Um, and I said, hey, Dr. So-and-so said you would help me. And he was like, yeah, I'm happy to talk with you. What can I help you with? And I was like, I don't know. He said you'd <laughs> help me. And he was like, well, okay, well, let's let's talk about what it means and what do you think you need, right? And so I kind of outlined this very general infrastructure just based on what I saw my students needing, right? What I knew the group ahead of you needed, what I knew you were going to need as part of the program. And I just outlined this infrastructure around um, education and awareness and support on, on campus. Um, so you know, fast forward two years and now here I am in the position, which um, I, I did not see coming. Um, but um, what is my role? Um, you know, some days I'm unclear. Some days it feels like a lot because we went from zero to full speed so fast. But ultimately, um, social innovation is not new on campus, right? Correct. Our, our yeah. researchers have been doing, are doing, and will forever do social innovation research. Um, So what's different now is that the university is recognizing that there are intentional supports that these researchers need, right? We need to build an intentional infrastructure that's going to allow them to continue to scale their impact or continue to scale their outreach or um, provide a way to make their their research efforts self-sustaining, right? So that they can focus on other things. So um, I describe what I do in three buckets. One is faculty research. One is experiential learning for students. And one is community engagement. Mm -hmm. And were those buckets that you kind of made yourself? Because it's, was there any, there was no one in this position prior to you, right? No. You, You sort of 
No, right. I'm, I'm the only one, yeah. right? And I think <laughs> even before, even before this position, I was the only one with a social entrepreneurship and innovation title mm-hmm. really kind of anywhere. Maybe that's not true. I think there's a lot that goes on on campus that we don't know about, right? But, um, but I do think being intentional about about supports in these areas is new. So, um, did I create the buckets? Uh, sure. <laughs> um, but do I think do I think they are grounded in best practice? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so I think anywhere that you look, whether it's peer aspirant institutions that we use around social innovation benchmarking. Um, or anybody who has kind of a innovation or social enterprise program, you're going to see similar buckets. They may call it different things, but you're going to see similar buckets. Um, I would I would look at how they're prioritizing their buckets, right? Because that's going to change how their metrics are framed. Um, but I do think our buckets are grounded in best practice. Mm-hmm. So let's break down some of the terms from my introduction earlier. For those who may not be familiar with infamous business jargon. What is technology commercialization? What does that mean? So I would reframe it as innovation commercialization, okay. right? I think um, one of the things that I've been talking about a lot lately are challenges around language, right? Like I said, innovation is not new, but how how the research unit talks about innovation could be very different than how the College of Education talks about it or how public health talks about it, right? They have an innovation center, um, could be different how the College of Social Work talks about it. It's definitely different than how we think about it in the business college and how we talked about it in the business college, right? So um, technology commercialization carries a carries a socially constructed added weight to it in terms of it's a true technology, right? An app, some kind of electronic type product, right? Um, whereas what I, we are trying to do in social innovation is innovation commercialization. So whatever your solution is that you've come up with from your research, so workshop training, curriculum model, comic book, um, whatever the thing is, whatever your solution is from your research idea, we want you, we want to help you um, find a way to scale that impact while making it self-sustaining so that you can continue to focus on other things. Mm -hmm. And what are industry partnerships? Community partnerships, Mm -hmm. right? Who are the experts that we need to change systems, right? Social innovation is about sustained social impact. So those systems that I talked about in my how did you get here answer um, those are those are the industry partners that I'm looking for, right? How are we going to disrupt and change the systems that are in place to make things better? And who is social innovation working with on campus, or who is this touching? Yeah, we hope everybody, right? Yeah. The hope, <laughs> the hope is everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some quick early adopters, right? If you study any kind of um, entrepreneurship book. You always talk about your early adopters, your mid adopters, and then your late adopters, also known as cynics. <laughs> Having flashbacks from to class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've had some early adopters, um, and I'm very thankful for them. Right. Um, but we hope we hope it's anybody and everybody who is interested in just having the conversation and learning more. Maybe you already know it applies to you. Maybe you have no idea it applies to you. But let's talk about it. <laughs> Campus Kitchen is a service organization that reduces food waste and improves nutrition equity and equality through healthy meals and community empowerment. 
Campus Kitchen offers a free lunch and dinner every Wednesday, and there are many leadership, internship, work-study, and volunteer opportunities. Follow CK Kentucky on social media or search Campus Kitchen on BB Involved for volunteer opportunities and free meals. And entrepreneurship or innovation um, or getting into the details of innovation can feel like a pretty inaccessible field for some groups of people. How do we create equitable access to entrepreneurship? Yeah, and I... I think not only does it feel inaccessible, part of what makes it feel so inaccessible is that it's so overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like if you've never studied a business model canvas and then the question is like prove your why and how your revenue streams are going to support that, um, it, it can be overwhelming. So what makes the University of Kentucky different is that we have dedicated resources for support and that's resources with a capital R, right? So people committed to doing this, not just me, but we have an intellectual properties team, we have a licensing team, a contracting team, we have a commercialization team full of experts to help us figure this out, right? We have um, funding that is already in place um, in the in the form of some grant funding that we can offer to faculty. And then we're working on a social impact fund um, for later down the road that we can specifically uh, target um, or pull from for these researchers. Um, but it's also resources in terms of what are our structures in place to help this happen, right? I don't, I don't want to just send a faculty member to a website and go, well, look there, that'll help walk you through the process, right? But um, are we making room, intentionally making room in our accelerators and in our incubators um, in our launch blue programs for our social innovators? Are we specifically creating a bench, a Rolodex, um, of community partners who can help them, right, and understand that social innovation is very different than than a deep tech idea or than a than a drug that's going to make billions of dollars, right? This is about um, changing lives and changing communities and and who wants to be a part of that and building our ecosystems of support that way. Mm-hmm. And I know that you mentioned uh, Launch Blue briefly. Do you want to expand on that? What is that for those who do not know? Yeah, Launch Blue is um, our accelerator program. Um, there, it is a community piece, so members of the community can apply to be part of Launch Blue and work with our commercialization team. Laura Halligan is amazing, um, and Erin Shea and Kinsey also work with her as well. Um, but they'll help you um, get your business off the ground, get your idea off the ground, walk you through the process, help you understand, so you're not doing it alone, right? One of the things that's best about an actual program is you're given homework, right? So for every time a faculty member has said to me, but I'm a researcher, I don't understand this. I'm like, yeah, but you're great at academics, right? So the idea that I am giving you homework and you just got to go do the homework and come back to me, you should excel at that. That's what makes you a great researcher. Therefore, this is going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So equitable access to entrepreneurship then is about making sure that all barriers, um, or at least identified and hopefully removed, or at least you have a buddy to go through it with, right? Mm -hmm. Like a friend to help walk you through. And then as we come across things that we don't know, we'll do it together as opposed to researchers having to figure it out on their own, right? Um, Making sure that everybody has access to the same opportunities and resources um, and support, mostly support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great to hear you mention um, the resources or the support available because I feel as though some people are walking around with absolutely no idea that this is that this is available to them. Um, if someone was interested in 
getting into entrepreneurship or innovation and they have absolutely no idea where to start, what do you have to say to them or where should they, where should they begin? Let's talk. <laughs> Let's <laughs> chat. <laughs> right. Everything, everything starts with a conversation, right? Because I, I actually think some people start at, oh, that's not for me. And that why crush a dream before you ever know, mm-hmm. right? Why eliminate an opportunity before you even know? Um, we also have a new associate director for innovative thinking, um, innovation and entrepreneurial thinking, right? So if you just want to get a better idea on what this means from a theoretical or academic standpoint, right? She's putting together a whole roster of quick little workshops that you can take in your own time to have a better understanding, right? Or let's just sit down and talk and I'm always happy to help walk somebody through the process to figure out, is this right for me? How can this be right for me? And how do I want to do it? How do I want to carry my ideas forward? Mm -hmm. One of the things I do get asked a lot is about inclusive innovation. Mm -hmm. And what what does that mean, right? And I think anytime we talk about inclusivity, especially in the last several years, um, there's, again, there's a socially constructed weight that comes with that, right? And what does that mean? Um, But for us, inclusive innovation for the University of Kentucky is really about sustainable communities. How are we making sure we are creating and building an ecosystem of support for people-ready communities, right? So how are we thinking about our diverse innovators on campus? Um, You know, Ian often says there's 2,000 researchers on campus and less than 10% of them are innovators, meaning less than 10% of them are bringing their innovations through the Office of Technology and Commercialization for support, right? Um, There are significantly more than that number who are out there doing it on their own, right? We're a support system for you. We want to help you. Um, You don't have to go it alone. But inclusive innovation is about expanding the opportunities out, right? How do we make sure that everybody knows this is an option? If you don't want to take advantage of the option and the resources and opportunities, that is up to you. But I I want it to be a choice and not because you didn't know it wasn't there, right? But it's also, inclusive innovation is also about working within our communities. Our historically marginalized communities have solutions. They know what they need to be better. So how can we bring the community and match them with, our researchers on campus and bringing those community-based solutions to truly partner with research to then build those sustainable communities and make things better. Mm-hmm. I appreciate how how people-focused you are or community-focused, you know. As you said, it doesn't have to look like a billion-dollar drug that's going to save the world. Like, innovation can sort of take all forms. Yeah, um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you just never know. Right. I don't think there's any conversation that I've ever said no to since starting this job. And most of them have not ended the way I thought they would. (laughs) Right. Like we started down one path and then we had four paths and Mm -hmm. then they came back to me and was like, now I have a fifth idea. It's all about the pivoting. It is. It is. (laughs) Um, People people often view innovation or those involved with it to be very STEM oriented. And I saw that you recently gave a talk about capturing that non-STEM innovation. What does that entail? Yeah, so um, capturing non-STEM innovation is really about intentionally targeting researchers within colleges who have not traditionally gone through the tech transfer process, right? Um, 
and making sure that we're reaching out to them and meeting them where they are, right? There's a there's an there's an awareness piece that has to happen first. There's an education piece around why partner with a tech transfer office, right? Why should they partner with me? Why should they trust me with their research? Because that's what I'm asking them to do. I'm asking these people to trust me with their life's work, right? And I'm not I'm not going to rush that. Um, there's a there's a vulnerability there um, that has to be earned, right? Um, and so capturing non-STEM innovation is earning that trust and earning, earning that relationship with researchers, researchers so they feel empowered to be vulnerable about their goals and their dreams and where they want to take their research and how they can do that um, in a way that maybe they've never thought about before or maybe they have and just didn't know how to do it or felt like this wasn't an option for them. Um, so again, it ties back to our three buckets, right? We're going we're gonna to capture that innovation through partnering with faculty research, right? But we're also going to do it through experiential learning. We've got to train people. We've got to train you young, you young people. Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> to think about social innovation, right? How are you thinking about social justice, social impact, and the common good through your academic lens, mm-hmm. right? How are you understanding that through your through your content? And how are we providing you with opportunities to apply that understanding, right? It's got to be experiential. It can't just be taught in the classrooms. We need to be doing and learning um, with our communities, not just for the community, right? It changes your lens when you're truly working with an organization who's embedded in the community, right? And then that third bucket, again, was community engagement. So how are we, how are we reaching out? How are we providing um, our community with opportunities to engage with our researchers, to engage with our students, right? There's lots of um, classes across campus, right, in CAFE, in Gatton, in several colleges where you really get to partner with community to do some great things. So how can I help you build those relationships or expand that, that group of people that you work with so that students are given the opportunity to, to do something good and to do something real um, and get out of that, you know, this is just another class project mindset, right? Yes. Let's, <laughs> let's get away from the class project and, and do, some, do some social good while we're at it. Mm-hmm. And is there any, I don't know if this is hush-hush under wraps, but is there any one that you're working with in the community or on campus currently that you're excited about or anything going on that you could possibly share? Well, I could tell you, but... <laughs> <laughs> Secrets. <laughs> um, yes, there are so many things that I am incredibly excited about, um, but unfortunately, none of them I can share about. That's fine. Um, that's fine. Leaving it up to the imagination. I see. That's right. <laughs> But it does span the spectrum. Again, none of the things I'm working on now did I ever, if somebody had said, what do you think you'll be working on? None of these things. You know, if you look at this notebook, all the yellow tabs are different projects, right? A beast of a notebook. (laughs) All these yellow tabs are different projects with different faculty members. None of them are what I would have described as somebody else coming into this role. None Mm -hmm. of them are things that I talked about as potential opportunities that I could foresee even as part of my interview process. So mm-hmm. that's, for me, that's what makes it most exciting, right? Is things I never saw coming. Yes, that is very exciting. And this program is very new. Um, and you have the opportunity to sort of set this standard um, and pave the way for the future. 
What are you most looking forward to going into the future of this role? Elevating the standard, mm -hmm. right? Like, let's go build something great. Um, you know, I, I joked with Ian when um, he called to offer me to the job because I said, it's not fair. You know me as a person. You know me personally. Um, and so you, he used all the right words, right? Like, let's go build something great. Let's be a national leader. Let's change the standard in terms of how institutions work with researchers around social innovation. Let's go change how our communities function and operate. Let's go expand opportunities and make a difference in the world. I was like, yeah. Okay, Captain America, let's go do it. <laughs> Feeling very inspired. Right? Um, so I'm mo I, but truly, I'm most excited about elevating the standard. Um, you asked me earlier about capturing uh, the non-STEM innovation and that presentation that I gave at Autumn, AUTM, which is our National Tech Transfer Conference. Um, and while we were there, I secured enough signatures um, to establish a national special interest group around social innovation so that we can create a true community of practice, right? That the time is now, that it's never been better. Um, again, social innovation has existed on campuses, but now we're uniquely positioned to accelerate the work that's being done to truly make an impact. And in order to do that, we've got to do it together. We've got to stand together as practitioners. Um, to be able to support our faculty and our institutions and our communities to move the work forward. And the only way that we're going to do that is through a community through a community of practice. So um, I'm excited about what's to come there. I'm excited about um, expanding what's happening here at UK and um, seeing where we can take this. Mm -hmm. It's great to see like what can be accomplished um, regarding social innovation when it has that backing and support of like an academic institution mm -hmm. when there's people devoted to um, making things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is there anything else that you want people to know about UK social innovation? Yeah, so social innovation, uh, it's not new, right? So if you've ever wanted to be engaged or you have questions about whether or not you can be, should be, could be, would be, let's talk about it, right? But when we think about... When we think about social innovation, it's about sustained social impact, right? So when we think about the ecosystem that has to be built around social innovation and what we're trying to do here at UK, we're talking about social justice, social impact, and the common good. And creating this ecosystem, building this infrastructure is no longer a luxury. It's not something cool that we're doing, right? It's a necessity. And it's a necessity that the institution has recognized needs to be firmly established and prioritized, right? So um, I think for me, that's that's the best part about the job, right? It's it's not just knowing that I have one, but it's, it's a necessity that needs to happen to make the world a better place. Um, and I get to do that in partnership with the community. So where can people go to learn more or how can they get in contact with you if they're feeling particularly inspired? Yeah, so there is a website. Uh, you can find me as a main tab at the top of the Office of Technology Commercialization main page or you're welcome to just email me, serenity.right at mm -hmm. uky.edu. Do people say OTC? Do people, is that like a fun way to shorten Office of... <laughs> From the look on your face, it looks like people do not shorten it. No, I think most people do shorten it, <laughs> okay. right? Mostly because, like, 
that's like 14 syllables. Yeah, it's a it's an office awful. of technology commercialization. That's and most almost of the a time, haiku right there. Right? Most of the time I mess it up. And I there's an and that I put, office and technology and commercialization. They're like, no. Like, no, sorry. that's wrong, actually. <laughs> yeah, OTC for short, for the cool kids. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you so much for being here with me. <laughs> thank you for joining me on this episode of Bowman's Friends. It was lovely to talk to you. Lovely to see you again. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. This was a pleasure. Of course. Uh, Thanks for listening to Bowman's Friends. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Bowman's Friends to stay up to date on our upcoming episodes. New episodes go live every Tuesday and Friday wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to DM us with topics you want us to cover or guests that you want to hear from.